Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I ask you this morning, oh God, that your hand would be upon me as I speak, that you would give me the words, oh Lord God, that you have placed on my heart, the message, oh Lord Jesus, that I can't get away from. Lord, I pray that you would help me, oh Lord Jesus, to bring what you've placed in my heart for your people in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I wasn't expecting to speak to you this morning. I'm on tonight. (laughs) But um, my husband got sick. So you're hearing from me. If you would turn to Hebrews 11, chapter 1. I have a few scriptures here. They will be on the uh, overhead if you can see them. There we go. Hebrews 11, chapter 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then Romans 8.23 tells us that, And not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Romans 13.11 tells us, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Today, the title of my message may seem a little strange, but it is the carrots are coming. Harvest is not something we think about very often living in the city. We we take the process of food and how it ends up on our table for granted, even though we rely on the land for that food. We have been removed from the the emotional investment that comes with sowing and reaping as part of survival because we rely on the convenience of a grocery store to have the ingredients for the meals that we put on the table. Only those that grow their own vegetables or love to be in their garden can understand, or at least in part, how those in the agricultural sector feel about harvest. Harvest is and has always been a very important part of life. Throughout history, all the world, throughout history, all over the world, sorry, agricultural societies have celebrated the importance of harvest. These harvest festivals were annual events and usually held in autumn. The autumn harvest was significant as the grains and produce gathered would sustain the people through the winter months. The celebrations began when the work ended. Once the reaping, gathering and storing was complete, the work boots could be hung up till the end of winter when the cycle would begin again. Every region and cultural group had specific ceremonies and rituals unique to them, yet every harvest celebration had common features. There was always ample food, contests, music and thanksgiving. It was not uncommon for people to attribute their blessings to some kind of deity and therefore they would present an offering, a tribute and thanks of offering of tribute and thanksgiving at this time. Other common practices were feasting with family and friends and community events to showcase food made from their produce. Harvest celebrated the end of a season. They celebrated the end, the finished product 
the completed process. The seeds had been sown, cultivated to maturity, and then reaped and gathered into storehouses. The harvest festival was a celebration of a fulfillment of a promise. The seed was placed in the ground in hope that it would bring forth as it had at other times. A great harvest depends on many external factors that are beyond the sower's control. Inclement weather, disease and pests could destroy in a moment which which took months to grow. Consequently, the harvest celebration was one of triumph and success. When God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, he instituted laws that they were to live by as part of their covenant relationship with him. These laws would govern their daily lives, their worship and their relationships. It was God's desire that the children of Israel would be a distinctly unique people. Everything about them would show forth the glory of their God if they lived in obedience to his laws. As part of the law, God gave them special events, anniversaries, that they were to remember when they settled into the promised land. These events and how they were to be celebrated are listed in Leviticus 23. And you can read that in your own time. For the Israelites, these feasts and special days had a historical significance. They were directly connected with events that had taken place. Each feast was to be observed as a form of worship. They were a reminder of the provision of God and his goodness and mercy towards them. These feasts also held spiritual significance. They were the Lord's feasts, instituted by God himself. These feasts foreshadowed future events in God's plan of redemption for mankind, some of which have already taken place. As with the law and the tabernacle, the feasts have types and shadows in them that were obscured from those who were chosen to live them out. But now these things have become an educator to lead us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The Lord instituted seven feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, the feast of first fruits, the feast of weeks, the feast of trumpets, the atonement, and the feast of tabernacles. Three of these were harvest feasts and required the men to travel with the required offerings and sacrifices and present themselves before the Lord. Where other nations only celebrated harvest once a year, Israel would celebrate harvest three times a year. The Feast of First Fruits was the first harvest celebration of the year and took place immediately after Passover and unleavened bread. The word for first fruit in Hebrew is bikurim and means the promise of things to come. And as the meaning suggests, First fruits was not a celebration of abundance, but a celebration of a promise. God required that they bring the the first of what the ground brought forth. The barley harvest was the first grain of the crops to spring up. 
The very first stalks of grain that popped their head above the ground were marked as the first fruits offering. These were picked, packed and taken to Jerusalem even though the rest of the field may have laid bare. Anything that appeared after those initial stalks were not to be touched or harvested until the requirements of first fruits was met. The first fruit offering was not was not an offering of thanksgiving for the abundance they had received. It was an act of faith. In that they set apart that which was that which was first to bring before the Lord, and he in turn would bless that which was to come. This offering of thanksgiving was for the abundance they were yet to receive. It was an offering of hope. The little they had, they waved before the Lord and was their only evidence that there would be a greater crop yet to be harvested. The Feast of First Fruits was a celebration of hope and expectation. It was a celebration of a promise of things to come, a celebration of a promise of a harvest that was not yet. Although there were two other harvest feasts, it was the Feast of First Fruits that captured my attention. Thanking God for a promise fulfilled before it was fulfilled. Thanking God for something that had not even happened yet. For something that is hoped for and yet the evidence is not seen. A bit like growing carrots. We plant the seeds in a row with enough space between them for a mature carrot to be pulled out. But the seeds are only small. It does not appear what they shall be. So we plan for the end result. For what they are to become. Carrots grow underground, so we don't even have the satisfaction of watching them grow. We cannot observe their progress because we can't see past the dirt the seed is buried in. But we know, if we follow the instructions on the seed packet, that we should have carrots within the time the guide suggests. Growing carrots is an exercise in faith Because we have to trust the process, even when we can't see it. We have to believe the instructions, even when we haven't done it before. The carrots are coming. It's an exercise in patience. The children of Israel packed up the few stalks of barley that had popped up and bought them before the Lord. Their obedience ensured the other crops bring forth, even when they could see even when they couldn't see what they were giving, if they obeyed, they would see much more than that. When the growing carrots, the greenery appears above the soil, when growing carrots greenery appears above the soil, this is an indication of the size of the root beneath. If there is Little to no growth above the soil line, there's probably not much happening under the soil either. 
We cannot dismiss what we consider the little things that point to the promise. These little things that are sent to remind us, to encourage us to be patient and to wait. We know the seed has been planted. The promise is on its way. So instead of dismissing the greenery, celebrate. Even if you can't see the carrots, you know they are coming. The final indication that carrots are ready is the shoulder test. The shoulder of the carrot pops up above the soil. It is the first part of the root that will be seen. When we see it, we know that they are ready to be harvested. The carrots are coming. There are signs all around us of a coming harvest. These things shouldn't concern us, but they should excite us. We can't can't allow the disappointments of this life to rob us of a truth and lose sight of the promises of God. We must thank him through our disappointments. We must displace despondency with hope. Bring an offering of thanksgiving for the hope. We cannot wait till everything is going well to offer thanksgiving. Give thanks to God regardless of what the situation looks like. When we see the events that are taking place in our world, offer thanksgiving for the promise of a harvest to come. Thanksgiving changes our heart and changes our mindset. It takes our focus of what is not onto things that are. We cannot wait until we reap the promise before we present ourselves before God in thanksgiving. Worship. Give thanks in your lack. Give thanks because you have a promise of better things to come. There is an ingathering that has yet to take place. A great harvest is coming. It is high time to wake out of sleep, to shake ourselves, to stir up the gift of promise that is within us. Get ready. Jesus is coming to collect those that are his. Those that have taken his name in baptism. Those who have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Ghost is our resident hope. It is the promise of things to come. The Holy Ghost confirms that the word of God is true, that the instructions on the packet are correct and can be trusted. The promise of things to come is what kept the apostles through persecutions, tribulations, even unto death. As Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, He endured the suffering to get to the fulfillment of the promise of his church. The apostles had the same mindset. They too endured persecutions and trials and counted it all joy to suffer with him that they might also be glorified with him. At the forefront of their mind, there was a promise of something that had not been seen yet but they knew through the Holy Ghost to be true. Hallelujah. 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 There is a greater harvest 
an ingathering that you don't want to miss. Four of the Lord's feasts have been fulfilled through Jesus' ministry on earth. The next three are yet to take place. The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Booths. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Isaiah 26 and 19. Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body they shall arise. Awake and sing ye that dwell in the dust. For the dew is as the dew of herbs. And the earth shall cast out the dead. Verse 20 says, Come my people, enter into thy chambers and shut the doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment. Until the indignation be overpassed. Romans 11 and 13 again. And, no, and that knowing the time that it now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. It's time to wake up church. Now is the time to shake off complacency. It's the time to get a hold of the promises of God. It's a time to stir up your faith and live that abundant life that he has promised. Hallelujah. It's time to put off mediocrity and stir up some passion for the things of God. It will begin with thanksgiving. It will begin with a wave offering and with an attitude that celebrates the hope that we have been given. If you haven't received the Holy Ghost yet, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Don't give up. Stir up a little urgency. Jesus told the parable of the man that came asking his friend for bread at midnight. His friend told him, go away. I'm in bed and everybody else is too. But the man kept knocking. His friend didn't give him the bread because they were friends. (laughs) His friend gave him the bread because he would not let up. His persistence to the point of annoyance was what got him the bread. Here's the bread. Now let me sleep. Hallelujah. Jesus himself promised in Matthew 7 and 8, For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. The Holy Ghost will be given to those that do not cease from asking, that do not seek, do not stop from seeking, and do not let up from knocking till their knuckles hurt. 1 Corinthians 15 15 and 20 tells us, But now is Christ risen from the dead. And become the first fruits of them that slept. Jesus was the first to rise from the dead incorruptible. Others that had been risen from the dead have since died again. 
But when Jesus got up from the grave, he was never going back. And he has led the way. He was the fulfillment of the first fruits offering. He was the very first of the harvest that is yet to come. Fifty days after his death, he made his spirit available to all. That all who receive it will be quickened and raised incorruptible with him. Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. The Holy Ghost is the evidence that Christ was raised from the dead. When we receive his spirit, it's not just to feel good. It's not just to have great church. Hallelujah. It's not just an added blessing that is optional and only some get it. It is necessity for salvation. For without it, we will not get off the ground. Hallelujah. Romans 8.23 tells us that if we have received the first fruits of the Spirit, we're waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. The Holy Ghost is a requirement to finish the adoption process and to redeem our body when he calls us. It is only by the Holy Ghost that we can call Jesus our Heavenly Father as the Holy Ghost is the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba. Ephesians 1.14 describes the Holy Ghost as the earnest or the pledge or the down payment of our inheritance. To have the Holy Ghost is for God to have placed a deposit in you. He has made an investment that he desires to see grow. He has planted a seed and he expects new life to come from it. Hallelujah. We have a reason this morning to celebrate. We have been given exceeding great and precious promises. This should excite us. We have the opportunity right now to be partakers of the divine nature through the Holy Ghost. Jesus has made a way. And that's reason to celebrate. We can celebrate the harvest of first fruits by bringing an offering of thanksgiving for a promise that is yet to be fulfilled. Hallelujah. This morning, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, claim the promise and thank him for it. Celebrate that he has made a way and that, that we may be partakers of a greater harvest that is yet to come. It doesn't matter if you don't have it. You can thank him for a promise. Because he said he would give it to you. Hallelujah. If you have a word from God, a promise that he has spoken to you, give thanks for its fulfillment. Celebrate like it's already happened. Hallelujah. If there is a mountain obscuring your view, thank him for what you cannot see. Exercise your faith. Lift up your voice. Lift up your head. Lift up your hearts. And give him thanks for the victory. 
celebrate not only what he has done, but what he has promised to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have the Holy Ghost, thank him for it. Thank him for the adoption and the redemption that is yet to take place. Thank him for the completion of the work that he has started in you. Has he finished? No, but thank him because he promised that he will complete that work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank him for the hope that he has given us. Celebrate hope. Why don't you stand this morning? Celebrate hope. Celebrate healing. Celebrate victory. Celebrate the promises that await on the other side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This world is not our home. Celebrate everlasting life. Give thanks for the now and give thanks for the promises yet to come. Hallelujah. 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 We may only see glimpses of the promise. Our view may be obscured by things we cannot see past. We may only have a little greenery to encourage us, but hold on. Wait with patience to the promise, to the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Look for him. Look for the signs that the harvest is ready. The great harvest, the ingathering, it has been promised and it will take place. Let us be ready to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. God is in this place this morning. The Holy Ghost is in this place this morning. If you need the Holy Ghost, come. Come. Stir up the urgency. The time is short. It is now. Now is the time. Now is the time. We have hope. We are not like those that have no hope. But we have hope. We have hope. What we feel in this place is the hope of glory. It's the hope of glory. Come. Why don't you come? Come and celebrate the hope that he has given us. Come and be filled with the Spirit of God. Come. Come. 